0: Are you guys ready up there? All right. All right, quiet on the set. Hello and welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland podcast. My name is Fiona Kinsella. I'm a producer and WFT board member. On 20th of July, Women in Film and Television Ireland hosted a very special event, Greater Leisure building sustainable careers. The event was supported by Screen Ireland. This series of talks celebrated the remarkable achievements of women in the industry who have found success, often later in their careers. Women in Film and Television Ireland was honoured to have internationally esteemed conductor and composer Emer Noon join us in conversation. Known for her award-winning work on video game music, she has conducted all over the world, working with Philadelphia Orchestra, the Royal Philharmonic, Orchestra Nationale de Bretagne, the Sydney Symphony, the Danish National Symphony Orchestra, and famously at the Oscars.
1: You, have you traveled far f- to come to us?
2: Yeah, from East Galway. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> um,
1: Imer, uh, Imer, uh is, a, is a composer, a conductor, and an orchestrator, and I would like to know the, the difference between between conducting and or- orchestrating. Sure. And, uh, uh, and uh, I just want to say, I don't want to read your whole CV, because that would take really the, the hour. <laughs> uh, but you basically, you, you compose uh, music for... Film scores for video games. Uh, you conduct orchestras. You travel all over the world. Uh, collaborate with loads of different people. I think you were what the first person to record yourself in 3D, right? To
2: oh, it, we we made some of the first 3D footage of an orchestra recording, and That's I've right. never watched it because I never want to see myself in 3D ever. <laughs> ever. I think it'd be kind of
1: like this. No. <laughs>
2: No, thanks. <laughs> no,
1: no. But no, I think in many ways you, are, you break the ground uh, for, for the people that come after you. So, um, and also, which I think is the main thing that people lead with, you conducted the orchestra during the Oscars as the first female to do so. And I heard you say to someone outside when you were chatting, uh, you said, that just doesn't happen. Out of the blue, there had to be a journey. So please tell me about
2: your journey. It's funny, a lot of kind of the press sort of. I I was making the joke that was almost like God is going, ah, you! (laughs) And you know, after 20 years, you know, 20 20 years plus of just trying to do it and just trying to get the opportunities, but, but not just that, making the opportunities and just being a complete head case, you know, because. I I sometimes joke that where I'm from is a village of 480 people. And actually, during COVID, we bought the uh, 1980s bungalow next door to my mother to stay in the bubble. And um, it's it's the best thing we ever did. But um, it's, you know, I grew up in a place that was too small for anyone to tell me that what I wanted to do is impossible. And it wasn't until I was 19 and um, I remember, so I went to college there in Trinity and I was in the College Music for eight years as well. I was one of the culties on the train, mm-hmm. as we used to call ourselves. Six o'clock on Saturday morning, the, the Galwegians coming up to the College Music in the Royal Irish Academy. Um, but um, anyway, uh, yeah, we, we didn't, I, I didn't know that, that it was s- stupid hard or I didn't know that, mm-hmm. that, I wasn't terribly aware of my gender. Um, you know growing up in the countryside with brothers my dad never pointed it out to me you know it wasn't a big deal Uh, across the road from our national school was paddy fahey's house he's a composer of traditional music so as far as i was concerned you could be a farmer a nurse a doctor work in the bank in town or be a composer you know (laughs) so so it was one of those or be a teacher um and it just really bowled me over i was i was 19 years of age and um I was a student, and I was teaching down in a school in somewhere in Wexford, I think. And the guy that headed up the music department was a a conductor that I had grown up watching on on TV, on RT. And I was so in his thrall, you know. And um, already at this point, I'd I'd gone away, I'd done master classes at the Manhattan School of Music. I was studying with a guy, the Professor Emeritus from Juilliard. He retired to Cambridge, I used to go and do that. And and this guy said to me, you know, what do you want to do with your music degree? And very quietly and sheepishly, I said, I want to be a composer and a conductor. And little did he know, I'd been practicing in my parents' attic since I was seven years of age. You know, I I decided then, oh, that looks cool. I'm. That's. I'll, I'll do that. You know. And it was. So it wasn't just what I wanted to do. Was who, as far as I was concerned, I am a musician. It's, it's, that's, that's what this is. As much as I am a human being, it's so much my identity since I was a child. Um, so this person burst out laughing. And he said to me, you haven't a chance. He said, you've got three things going against you. You're young, you're Irish, and you're female. And, yeah, straight to my face, straight to my face. And I... First of all, you know, I joke, it's the, like the best title for an autobiography ever. <laughs> it's always a joke, you know. But I was so... I was like, what? I, it was like the first time it had ever occurred to me that my gender was was a anything, right? you know. Um, and I'd gone to an all-girls school, which instead of making me feel more female, it just because the girls were the girls and was just hanging out together and, and it was just... there was no... Anything, it was just normal, you know, the, the goings on. So mm-hmm. it almost made, it, it made me less aware of gender in the weirdest way. But um, your man said that to me, and it hurt. And I'd like to say, you know, I stood up and went, I'll show you, let me at him. <laughs> actually, my, my best mate calls me Scrappy-Doo, let me at him. Um, but I didn't. It, it hurt. And I saw the same guy promoting others. You see, it's one mm-hmm. thing to, look at me, I, 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 uh, I mentor and I promote the young artists coming up, not you.
0: Yeah. You know?
2: So, mm-hmm. or, or there was definitely at the time a thing of, well, we're going to invest resources in somebody who has a chance at actually using them. Mm-hmm. You know, and that I saw I set up an orchestra with my classmate, um, Gillian Saunders in Trinity when we were in second year. First concert, the Pepper Canister Church, second concert, the National concert hall. because wow. we were <laughs> lunatics. <laughs> uh, I know. We, and we, we call, I remember calling up uh, the lady that was the booking person, and, and she said, um, "You do know, if you don't have a1,000, sell 1,000 tickets, we'll never have you back." <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, I didn't know that, but um, but we sold out the National Concert Hall. And right beforehand, and this is like the story of my life, is always like two steps forward, one step back, mm. always, you know. <laughs> I was doing a master class um, at the Royal Irish Academy, and it was someone they brought in. It wasn't the acad- they were providing the space. And we were doing Beethoven's first symphony, and there was me. 10 guys and one other girl which was the usual in master classes you know and this guy came over from Germany he's an Irish guy living in Germany and uh, afterwards he uh, we were at Kennedy's across the road from the academy and we're all sitting along in a uh, at a long table, and I had to hand in an essay, which was always late in Trinity Music Department. They docked you 5% per day, yeah. and I was always at least 15% down before I started. <laughs> because I had, I was doing six, seven rehearsals for mm, different mm. things, from Steve Reich, contemporary art music, to uh, Beethoven, Schubert, to film music. I scored um, my first short film when I was in college, J.J. Harrington's first short film. And um uh, it was mad, but um so I'm at this master class conducting away, and I'd already been seriously studying, you know, mm. so so you can you can clearly see a certain level of technique, and afterwards we're at this this long table in Kennedy's, and I'm running to hand in my essay, I come back a plonk at the other end of the table. I remember these things vividly, of course, and i he made a musical point, this conductor, and I said, "Oh yes, that that's just like." in Stravinsky's Soldier's Tale, where the da 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 is a very difficult piece of music to conduct. And um, he looks around the table. I'd illustrated the point perfectly. He looks around the table at all the guys. He does mm-hmm. not look at me, and he goes, isn't she lovely? Oh.
1: Oh. <laughs> OK.
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs> so two steps forward, one step back, right? <laughs> yeah. So a few months later, <laughs> A few months later, we're at the National Concert Hall, myself and Jill, and the, the Brigand Orchestra, the Band of Madzers. we were all Irish Youth Orchestra heads. And we were, this was a professional orchestra, we were all getting paid, as in Gillian and I had to sell out the National Concert Hall to pay everybody. <laughs> so, um, and, and it's funny, now when we go into the studio, we go into windmill, at least half of the brass and woodwind section were in that orchestra and certain yeah. amount of strings. Okay. Um, so, most of us went on to careers, but um, <laughs> we're in the National Concert Hall. It's sold out. Colin Connolly, God rest him, came down and did an interview with us where we, we were performing. And I was, this will tell you how long ago this was. I was going down to the post office around the corner from college with coins, throwing coins into the coin box, calling LA, going, hi, I hear you have the parts and the score for Braveheart. Um, And the the guy goes, Franz Waxman, the composer's son, John Waxman, he goes, Yes, but it's, it's really difficult to perform live. You need this, um, this instrument. It's called the Uelian Pipes. <laughs> and, uh, I, was like, I was like, hang on, I know this score really well. The what? And he goes, the Uelian Pipes. I said, do you mean the Ewellian Pipes? And he goes, no, 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 Uelian Pipes. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the guy who played Pipes on Braveheart played our, at our wedding years later years later (laughs) that's another story but but anyway so so i'm getting all these scores that hadn't been performed in ireland ones that jill and i just loved like we did the batman score which hadn't ever been done Mm. um uh and and this is how i got my first opportunity in la the guy that orchestrated for danny elfman Mm -hmm. did a, a course for screen training ireland at the time and I, we'd performed the parts that he had worked on and I could sing them for him in class mm-hmm. and he was hired me off the class. But um, anyway, uh, we're doing this. Colin Connolly's lying on the grass in Trinity College and he's going deep in the heart of Trinity College and you can hear going all around Front Square because we were rehearsing in Regent House just over the front arch we were rehearsing in there, it was just like reverberating yeah. so the lads from RTE are lying, which they're not allowed to do lie on the grass in there But um, and it sold out the concert hall for us and um, uh, anyway so getting back to to isn't she lovely um the day of the concert hall and this was my conducting debut at the national concert hall um elmer bernstein had agreed to be our honorary patron and i'd met him in a restaurant in dublin noel pearson god love him agreed to be an honorary patron and john warman and all of them at various times would show up to a concert but uh, that's all we had was their names and no mm. money at all. We had two hundred and fifty euro to spend on advertising, and we bought one teeny tiny ad in the Irish Times, and that was all we had. Um, so uh, anyway, I'm on the stage. We're after doing the, the dress rehearsal, and one of the ladies from the the um, the, the ticket office, the bu- from the we'll call the, call the states from the, the, the booking office. And one of the stagehands comes in to me. Uh, I'm on the stage, everybody's cleaning up, getting ready for the show. And they're like, Emer, Emer, wait and hear this, wait and hear this. (laughs) And uh, the two of them, she came from selling the tickets, and one of the other lads, because we were selling the tickets, and there was a line out the door. It was sold out. Imagine the two of us kids, we didn't know what we were doing. Mm -hmm. It was was a film director um, who'd helped us out, a guy called Ronan O'Leary, who'd helped us get the advertising, get Colin Connolly down there, get, get us in the independent, all of the stuff. And um, people were intrigued by these two lunatics setting up an orchestra. And uh, we did massive choir and Ewellian Ill- 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 pipes and everything. <laughs> you know. So anyway, um, we, we, um, your man shows up and he's having his lunch in the, the concert hall in the, the cafe there. And he wants to know what the kerfuffle is because we've sold out. And what's going on? He goes up to the, to the box office and he goes, what's here tonight? And they said, oh, it's Emer and Gillian and, and their thing. And, the, and he goes, well, I must have tickets. And they said, well, we, we can't give you tickets. We don't have tickets. And he said, well, don't you know who I am? And they were creasing themselves, laughing, telling me, don't can you imagine your man saying, don't you know who I am? Because like, you know, this, this lady knew me from sneaking into concerts for the second half all the time as a student, you know. Um, and uh, it was so funny after Isn't She Lovely. It's it's like so you couldn't write it, you know. You'd ask the writers to take a lie down if you saw it on, on screen, you know. But um, so, so those were the kind of things where there were, the resources were not being spent on me, and I saw, mm-hmm. I, you know, I saw a million situations where there were opportunities, and I hadn't been 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 given the opportunity, or where someone decided not to hand in my application because oh, really? they, I would take a place from somebody yeah. else. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, so that's that was then, mm-hmm. and please God, things are a little different. Um, but um, I will say. Um, the, after going to LA, I, I did move to LA um, because one of the reasons was because of doing absolutely everything I could. Throwing, if you throw enough mud, some will stick. And I was throwing mud. I set up two different ensembles. One was a 65 piece orchestra, the other was a contemporary music arts ensemble. Uh, we did Irish premieres of Steve Reich, of, of all these contemporary art music composers, Charles Ives, and, and all of these people. Um, but and I was proving myself over and over mm. and over and over, and it felt like I was throwing mud at mirrored walls. I was looking at my own reflection with the mud just hey. sliding down, you like a know. Visual. And uh, it was just I just said, um, I got to go, got to mm. go. So, God loves screen skills, Ireland. Screen training, Ireland. There was um, an outpost from UCLA Extension, which ironically I ended up teaching for in Los Angeles for UCLA. But they had an outpost in Dublin, mm. because of Screen Training Ireland. So all through college, from just after my leaving cert, um, I took all their film scoring modules in and around my, my degree. And at the end of, end of it, they brought over this orchestrator. So to answer your question earlier, what does an <laughs> orchestrator do? Um, a lot of time in, in film and in video games and TV, if you have somebody who's writing an orchestral score, but that's not their background, like we we had a whole period of time in in Hollywood, and this still happens, where you have people co- who come from the the rock music side of things, mm-hmm. scoring, um, okay. and they have great creative ideas and great instincts, and but don't know how. To write for the orchestra, and the orchestra is so full of tradition and so full of mm. idioms and foibles and and traditions, and how you speak to the brass section is different, how you speak to the string section, how you write idiomatically for the flutes different to how you write idiomatically for the oboe. Mm. And it's almost like being able to to not speak different languages, but be able <laughs> being able to speak the same language in multiple accents. <laughs> which yeah. Irish people are very good at. It's um, so it's interpreting um a composer from another genre of music interpreting their ideas for the orchestra and 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 collaborating and saying you know what i see where you're going this this is a fantastic idea it won't really work in this context uh what you're i can feel what you're going for how about if we were to do this and this and this this would be more would fall under the fingers it'll be more what you want uh, but, but we're, we need to approach it in a different way. And because we use a lot of technology in music, and we use a lot of MIDI, uh, musical instr- instrument digital interface, um, people who don't understand the orchestra can make orchestral sounds, but it's different when you go into the live situation. And how, how different things bounce around the room and how you stack a chord so this really works and gives the big Hollywood impact or the, the really thin veil of sound. or Whatever it is that you want, um, the way we orchestrate the way we work that that in three dimensions with the orchestra is what gives you the sound. It could be still the same chords and the mm-hmm. same melody and all of that, but how we orchestrate it is what what, what colors the sound or what makes the impact or, or whatever okay. so that 's orchestration as opposed to compositions coming up with the ideas, the musical meat and two veg kind of mm-hmm. thing that they um, But the orchestrator then... So I did that because I wanted to be a better composer. So I worked uh, as a... And my first gig was World of Warcraft, which uh, to gamers it's like, what? That's not fair. (laughs) And and it wasn't. It was by chance because they'd hired an orchestrator that they didn't have the budget for and I was his assistant and he went, here, you do it. (laughs) And that's what I'm always saying to, to younger composers is be around when the other person runs out of time. You know, because that would be, or where your classmate is suddenly the hot new kid on the block. Be good to your classmates. Um, I, I never, uh, my master's in, in film scoring was in, in scoring films. You know, I didn't get to go to, to college to do that. I, I, well, I did all this, I, I guess I did. I did all the, the um, UCLA extension stuff, which was designed for professionals in the music industry which I was not. I was sneaking in under the radar, as usual, (laughs) Um, but uh, I never got that thing of you're you're, you're kind of, you're you're held, you're you're taken care of, and then you're given entree to the industry. You're placed with a composer as an assistant. This is, I've taught on programs like that. It's amazing, Mm. but no, I had to do everything else backwards. And, uh, and totally couldn't drive when I went to LA. I knew two people, both of whom were certifiable, I'd say. Um, <laughs> one of whom got us fired off of multiple films that you would know. Um, so my E Emer True Hollywood Story, I call it. Um, uh, we got fired off a major religious movie. I won't say what it was um, oh, we know because it. the guy I was working with uh, was convinced that he could manifest the wounds of the stigmata on his body. You know, so so that was who was it was talking about the the difference in 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 you know the the the, the producers and the cocaine. It was Alva. But well, this was like this was like we get each other's. You need to be the same brand of crazy, which I understand, but it, it was. Yeah, it was w- was interesting getting fired off some good ones. Mm. I call it the the alternative IMDb. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they should
1: publish that. Yes, know. yes. I have to say I uh, I I could just take a seat there and let you run this oh, yes. because uh, y- you're brilliant and you've you've answered the majority of my questions, <laughs> which is which is great. At least I feel like I had relevant questions. <laughs> but um Imer, i i watched an interview uh, it's not an interview it's a speech that you delivered in 2017 at an i think it's called inspire uh i oh inspire uh, Fest. event or, yeah. yeah and um so i there were a couple of things that that uh really stood out to me uh and one of them was already spoken here before by alba and and uh, everybody really is uh, the Socrates quote know thyself which yes. y- you, you made a beautiful comment about that can you just elaborate a little bit uh
2: yeah I, I really think when you're faced with um, people who tell you that you can't I mean it, it, they don't know you they really don't the only person that knows you kind of vaguely I, I still don't know myself I have to say I'm working on it is is you and, I mean, I kept thinking, and I like logic as well. I kept thinking, they're telling me I, I can't conduct orchestras, but why? There's no physical reason why not. It's mm. not like I have to throw boulders at the orchestra, you know. <laughs> it's only a stick of rosewood. What this doesn't, this isn't, this is illogical to me. Mm. And I know I can do it, you know. And then I'm going, would you look at your man? He's getting paid to do this as a student. Sure, I can do better than that. At this stage, I have a lot, a lot, a lot to learn a lot to learn always. And that's one thing that fascinates me about music is you can't possibly know everything about it ever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I kept going, Jesus, hang on a second. You're telling me I can't do that. Why? You know, so it it didn't make any sense to me. And I, and I thought, you know, to know myself that I know I can get up there and do that. I know I can learn the score. I know I can, I can, you know, I can lead the, the artists who I I love. I, I absolutely am their biggest, the biggest fan of other musicians. Um, why this doesn't make any sense to me and I've heard stupid comments like, uh, and this is in the last 2016, 2019 comments like um, one conductor said um, uh, he said women don't have the stamina and I was asked, the Irish Times called me up and said, can you make a comment on this and I was like well, everything he's done, I thought of Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire and everything he's done, I've done seven months pregnant and in heels so tell me about stamina. You know, try and build a human being at the same time that you're you're standing on your feet for six hours doing the rehearsals and then you have a concert that night. You know, um, the other one was the same guy said, Well, the musicians in the orchestra will get distracted by a pretty girl on the podium. Yeah. And he, he got wrapped on the knuckles and then he got promoted. So that's 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 I think I have to say, if any of my orchestral colleagues were here, I, I'd say the same thing. Orchestra has always been the last to come into the, and this is I adore orchestras, I adore the musicians I work with, mm. um, but it's it's always the last, and and it's still okay to say things like that, you know. Um, another guy said, "Women on the podium are not my cup of tea," you know, and that was twenty nineteen. I That's remember, I take note. <laughs> um, yes. But it's um, but but you know, it's. You feel The other thing is you also feel like you're always representing everybody else as well. Yeah. And I, I feel like I want to win the right to have a bad day mm-hmm. on, my own, yeah. on my own terms. <clears throat> that my having a bad day doesn't influence her career or anything to do with her, ever. The next yeah. woman that... If I have a bad day with this orchestra, that the next woman that comes in isn't looked at... Well, the last woman we had... Didn't do so great on the Tuesday. She was fine on the on the concert, <laughs> but we remember. And it's 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 that's we're nowhere near that in the orchestral world. Um, I find um, it's it's better with film. I, I, f- I don't find as much. I love, by the way, and I'm 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 going to mention a couple of Irish women that I've worked with recently in film that I absolutely loved every second of it. Mo Honan, animation producer. Um, who's based in Galway. We're going to do another film together this year. Absolutely. I saw her during COVID, how she handled her creatives, how she protected all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely one of these people that speaks quietly and carries a big stick. You know, mm-hmm. Laura Way, fantastic yeah. to work with. Fantastic. I loved it. I've only had great experiences with, um, with women in film and TV. Um, and in video games as well Mm -hmm. actually Um, Mm -hmm. which is a a different um, planet yeah um, but also very interesting and and exciting and um Mm Uh, we're actually getting to use AI in creative ways, which uh, I'm not sure I should even say that because, yeah, you it's
1: a iffy subject right now. Uh, I, yeah. Well, I,
2: I worked with a hologram. Actually, toured with yeah. a hologram at one point, yeah. and I was trying to get them to create a hologram of me, so I didn't have to go on tour. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so That's I'm like, human, mm, human. AI hologram? Yeah, that might be, yeah. I appreciate that. My bunion would thank them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, well, that's
1: incredible. I'm really happy to hear that. That that your experiences when well, we're working with women yeah. have been
2: amazing. Super pro, um, have to say, super pro, and and like that. Like you, you guys were saying, um, my my boys are very rambunctious and really opinionated, and you know don't tend the the. The whole thing of seen and not heard is you hear them before you see them. You know, it's it's, and they they think everybody makes up songs. You know, that's Her. were you was that where where'd you hear that song? Oh, I made it up, and and it's like, well, so you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but they're very free spirits, and our job is to just keep them from killing themselves or others, and not squash the yeah. squash the free spirit. But. Um, M- Mayel, who's four and a half now, sat and watched us music edit Mo's film during b- right before COVID. He knew he'd get really frustrated. He knew the score. He knew um, it, he, he'd get re- frustrated when we go over the scene again because we had to score <laughs> it. You know, it was like in his little high chair. Um, <laughs> oh. But they—they're also very critical. <laughs> I was <laughs> concerned about this earlier, <laughs> Mom. I don't. I don't. It works up to up to that point. Up to what was that bar forty three? three? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's, and then it's just wrong. You know? <laughs> I'm like, that's called dissonance, Eliam, That's called dissonance. No, it's just wrong. Uh, it's meant to sound like that. Yeah, but you change it. Okay. You know? So we, we have. So they that, give you notes.
1: Oh God, yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Well, I, I I wanted to also touch on one more thing that you said during that that speech that I saw. Um, or which relates to us women so well. You said that women are very bad at being bad. Yeah. And I would love for you to elaborate on this because yeah. I think it's crucial.
2: We're, we women are very bad at being bad at things. We Also, I think, I'm going to bring Irish women into this because mm. our mothers are so capable, capable is the word, and they expect us to be so capable in all areas. Um, as my mother... Says, and my brother's in the back room, the room, so he'll he'll back this up. You say to her, "Well, this is so hard. I can't do this. There's so many obstacles. It's said uh, nobody's done it before." da da da, da, da. Huh? She sure, haven't you two arms and two legs? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like zero excuse. You have your health. What are you crying about? You know, there's no. There's just. I, I think of the Mammy with the. You know, the, the, there's a scene when uh, what's his name, the comedian that did the Mammy. Fraser. No, it wasn't no. Brendan O'Carroll. Remember, Dumb and Dumber, the two lads that did that, or not oh. Dumb and Dumber, The Dumb Unbelievables. Pat, Pat Short, he falls off a roof. Uh, he's dressed as the mammy, falls off a roof, and dusts himself off and picks up two kegs of beer and walks off. You know, that scene is ingrained in my brain because that's like that's how we're raised. Is is um, he, he, we're raised to be incredibly. Um, have incredible staying power and tenacity and take a punch Mm. and the thing is you take a punch and it's not like you deflect it's like you feel everything of the punch and you go jesus that hurt i need to i need to lie down and then pick yourself back up and recover and and go back into the ring and get back into it and being bad at being, uh, bad at being bad at things is because we're raised to be capable and be, be efficient and be professional and be, be seen to be good at what we do. And what I do, it takes forever to get good at it. Yes. So being good, being okay with being bad at it for a long time. Especially if you're standing in front of eighty people with PhDs in music, who are the most critical beings on the planet,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
2: and you're you're 24 and you're at Fox, yeah. and you, you um, <laughs> um, I remember my my very first session in Los Angeles. Um, I went. Uh, I'd written this really, really high trumpet part, and you're not supposed to write anywhere near topsy. But you're also in the home of the big band, the guys that play on all the big band records, and they're screamers, you know, the trumpet players. But I, I was terrified, and I went in with with my parts. I went down to the back, down to the brass. I said, I'm going to face this head on, you know, because the lads in the orchestra that is set up, I was used to them being, you know past remarkable, the jokes that are passed around, the comments, you know, brass players are brass players the world over, you know. They're, it's like Pints and Curry before they start playing, you know, and that's, that's the, the lads of the orchestra, you know. I know I'm not going to say Teamsters, but um, very similar, very, very similar. Um, so um, I went down and I said, excuse me, Mr. McNabb, there's a legendary principal com- trumpet player called Malcolm McNabb playing. I later later on did a, a a recording of of Stravinsky with him, and he goes, "Last time I played this was with Stravinsky," and I was like,
0: "Oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So anyway, I'm, I I go down I go down da- I go down to the back of the brass section. I'm such a nerd as well. I'm such a film and music nerd. It's it's just awful. But uh, anyway, I also knew I looked at the list of players. I also know Jim Self was playing tuba. Now. In the orchestral repertoire, there are two very, very famous tuba solos. One is from Mussarcki, pictures at an exhibition, and the other one is bop, bop, bop. Bob, Bob, <laughs> played in the movie Close Encounters by Mr. Jim Self. So I go to the back of the brass and I'm, I'm like looking at the trumps and go, I'm really sorry, I, I wrote lots and lots of top C's. And, and just in case, i have given you a second part with everything down the octave. If that's like too, if it's too, if I don't want to blast your lips out so you can't play a session. And I'd all the, I knew all the trumpet player complaints and I'd headed them all off in the past. And here's a load of. And I said, excuse me, Mr. McNabb, and he turns around to the other trumpets who later became all my, my brothers in arms, and he goes, is my dad here, Mr. <laughs> McNabb? And I said, uh, and I look, uh, hello, Mr. Seth, uh, you play the tuba on, on Close Encounters. And he goes, guys, I think this is the first time we've ever seen a tuba groupie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, absolutely <laughs> mortified and, uh, and I got up to conduct the orchestra, I was like one of the governors of the music branch is sitting there turning pages for the session and I am so out of my box terrified and, uh, and I looked down at the brass and I was about to start and, uh, and they all went <laughs> so, so it was that was like that was like 18 years ago you know and yeah. a lot of those some of those guys were playing in the orchestra for the Oscars um and um and just to just talking about we're, we're talking about longevity and careers um I'll t- I, I, if we have time do we have
1: to? you have Five minutes. I five minutes. So I'll tell comments. you how
2: I got the Oscars gig because this is a room of us, and Amazing. it's not for the press. It's it's for us. Um, so uh, I had been working away forever and um, recording sessions uh, in in uh, in Los Angeles, and uh, spent ten years, you know, four or five times a year going up to Skywalker Ranch and recording on their scoring stage with the le- legendary. Um, uh, Leslie um, oh jeez my, my brain sorry I'll think of it That's in a okay. second Leslie Ann Jones she was the president of Naris, the Grammys at the time and just uh, having that female energy in a session where the recording en- engineer and the, the contractor who books all the musicians and me it, it was totally different it was a vi- different vibe just a different energy it was great because I'm so used to just working with a room full of dudes all the time so and that's great too, but it's a different different vibe. So here's what happened: um, I had worked with uh, Chris Walden uh, f- years and years before. He's the you hear. I send him texts every Christmas, going, I can't get away from you. He's Michael Bublé's producer.
0: Yeah. Um, so
2: and lots and lots of people. So um, uh, anyway, I I'd worked with um, the music director for the Academy Awards that year, Ricky Minor, who's just my my soulmate, my kindred spirit on something else. And I showed him this crazy project of the hologram, which was the hardest thing. W- w- they spent a million dollars on the technology before mm-hmm. we knew it was actually possible to musically synchronize with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll never forget the the tech the tech we did in Vegas for it was a nightmare because it wasn't working until it was. Mm-hmm. And it was horrible. And I showed it to him he's, and he's just like, oh my God, this is horrible. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> but it, it came to this situation and... Ricky called me up, I was in Dublin at the time we came home after the Woolsey fires in LA and we were doing Moe's film and he he called me up and he goes, listen I, I have your name on the short list for this thing, it came to me, the producers, I didn't put your name on there it's, it's just on there and and the producers and he'd sent me an uh, an email saying what's your availability between this date and this date and I thought he wanted me to do more of what we've been working on together before and um, I showed my husband who's so annoying he's like forget to have full half empty thing he's like well the glass is always full what are you talking about (laughs) and he read this email from Ricky and he goes oh, Ricky wants to know your availability in February. And goes, I bet he wants you to conduct at the Oscars. And I was like, how do you get from there to, how is it? February? It's so annoying to me. I'm like, he gets, he, it's so annoying because I'm Irish and I need to not invest emotionally in anything until it's over. You know, until it's over. It's done. Oh yeah, oh that, yeah so uh, it was so uh, irritated so I, I emailed Ricky and I was like okay I'm, I'm around I'm, I'm here but if you need me I'll come over um, I'm back uh, when most film is done this was before COVID hit of course um, and uh, he goes you're on this short list um, for, uh, to conduct at the Oscars and I was like what? Damn you Craig you know <laughs> um, so when I heard the other names I went no nah, not a chance um, one of them was an Oscar winner, um, but not known for conducting, and, so, and somebody I absolutely adore by the way, but I also saw a lot of very politically connected names on there. And coming from East Galway, I didn't know anybody ever in music and film, except Paddy, who I- was the composer in the village who'd rather talk about farming than writing trad music any day. Um, so I, I didn't know anybody, I didn't know anyone when I came to LA, nothing, nobody. And I just thought, this is the emer true Hollywood story as usual. You know, I'm up against somebody who's ridiculously connected. You know, whose mm. whose whose spouse is one of the decision makers on this. Mm. And I just I just didn't put any emotional. And I was like, anyway, it's terrifying as well. It's terrifying. But then I realized I was I was picked up the kids from school, and and our our, our son Alian was at school in, in school in Sutton at the time, and it was lashing rain. I'm driving back. And I realized I am terrified to do this. And then I thought, well, how would you feel watching somebody else do it? Mm-hmm. And then I was terrified of that as well. And I realized if I'm terrified of not doing it and I'm terrified of doing it, maybe that's my, I'm in the right spot. That's the right spot right there. So anyway, um, I, but I said, no, this is impossible. <laughs> I can't. A call from Ricky Minor. Um, who Ricky used to be Whitney Houston's music director. And he's music director for the Grammys. He does the Super Bowl halftime show some of the time. He does Clive Davis's after Grammy party every year. The biggest dote in the world. I love him to death. And uh, he calls me up and he's like. So, Emer, um, just, you know, talking about the... Uh, the and he tried <laughs> to put it on for a second, and he's a shit actor. <laughs> and, uh, and he goes, Welcome to the Oscars 2020! And I was like, woo! <laughs> <That's a great laughs> um, so... Um, <laughs> but the whole story, I was dressed by an Irish woman. Um, my aunt did my hair. Uh, Claire Garvey, I was like, why have two Irish women there? Or why have one Irish woman when we can have two? Uh, Claire, I called my, my mother first... Oh, I'd I'd called mum when I was on the shortlist, and I said, don't tell anyone, especially not my brothers, because I don't want them to get excited. And of course she told them. (laughs) Um, So so anyway, when we were going, um, I had had done a concert in um, Qatar, of all places, the day before I left... My friend Fanula in Port Marnock, Fee and Company opened her, her boutique and threw clothes at me. Here, take this, you need this. I'm taking this out of my wardrobe, you take that. My aunt showed up with a pair of new shoes because I had no, I couldn't dress anything. I was doing on a concert tour. And um, Claire arrives with this piece of gold the thing, that leather, the entire thing was leather, Weighted to ton. But I was going through, um, uh, and this, I'll, I'll, I'll end with just two points. For me, I was constantly being asked by the press, So are you nervous <laughs> uh, and I was like, what no, this is not actually technically difficult, based on the mad thing with the hologram we've mm-hmm. just done. um no, I'm not. I know everyone in the orchestra, and my music mammy is the harpist that I've worked with my whole career. she's in the orchestra if I get scared of to look to is look at Gail Levant, who is the sparkle at the Oscars that gorgeous sound that's that's been her for thirty years um so we're <laughs> going through the airport and I'm knackered and I'm wearing sweatpants and I look like crap and I'm carrying Claire's thing over my head because it's like this gold leather train it can't go in a suitcase it can't bend it can't be folded all this stuff <laughs> holding it over my head I'm knackered and I'm buying a bottle of whiskey for one of my mates on the for, for one of my mates on the show and um, and this girl walks up to me Debbie um, who now works for Grace O'Malley Whiskey and she goes i all right there love Uh, are you getting married (laughs) and I was like I was like it was the first time I'd ever said it out loud except to my best friend because the press had taken hold of it and I hadn't spoken to anybody I said no I'm going to the Oscars and it was the first time I said out loud. She goes, oh my God, hold on. Um, you carry this onto the plane. What <laughs> flight are you on? You call Aerolingus. So by the time I got to the plane, with my my mum was travelling with me. Craig and the boys were coming the next day. And by the way, the Irish film industry babysat my boys on the flight over to the Academy Awards. So... Um, I'm coming um, uh, with this thing and they carry it they they carried it over and I was passing all the guys from Screen Ireland. I was like, Hi Stephen, hi to zero and um and they're all there and um and, and the the guy the steward from, from uh, from Aerolingus, he was being so theatrical. He's like, let's take the outfit and he's carrying it over everyone's head and I'm walking behind him and I cashed in all my frequent flyers to to, to bring everyone, you know. And I'm sitting down the back of the plane and he's, he's carrying this. And when we get to the front door, he goes, our Captain Elaine Agnew would like you and your mother to be her guests at the front of the plane. And when I walked up to the front of the plane, the captain came out with her first mate, Amy. Aww. And she said, We read an article about you. We are so proud of you. And I burst into tears. (laughs) 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 Janana (laughs) Heron.
1: Oh my god, this is what a wonderful way to, to finish this interview, Emer. It's been a pleasure. And if I may show everyone the dress, can I play yeah. the thing that you sent So please peel your eyes on the screen.
2: It's all Claire Garvey, it's all
0: her. I think it's always oh, it's And tonight, especially, we want to celebrate that for the first
1: time in the 92 History of the Academy Awards, a female conductor will be leading the orchestra. So
2: <laughs> here is Maestra Emir I changed my name.
0: <laughs> if you would like to support the work we do, Become a member at wft.ie or you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash wftireland.